coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to the latest episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Dan Myler. With me again this week is Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Matt, it's the middle of August. We're staring down the barrel of week two of the preseason. We can all feel regular season football right around the corner. How jacked are you? I'm pretty jacked, Dan. <laughs> it's been a bit of a roller coaster, honestly. It's been really exciting seeing these rookies. We've had a couple of of, of guys that we really like, and Geis and, and Deion Kane go down. Uh, so you know, kind of kind of par for the course there. But it's been really fun watching guys like Lamar Jackson finally get on the field. Now, Matt, the the really pressing issue I want to know from you is, you know, I I, I don't believe in a million years it's going to happen. But ever since I heard those odds of Khalil Mack ending up in Green Bay. I wake up in the morning and log on to Twitter to to see Adam Schefter's tweet saying he's been traded to the Packers. Do you do the same thing? <laughs> I, I haven't because I don't. I just don't think the Packers are. No, gonna it's do not it. going to happen. I mean, but... how how amazing would that be to have to to have him with Clay Matthews out there too? That would be pretty incredible. I know. I get sucked I don't think the Packers in roll though. That way. Ever since I saw that, I just dream about it. I just I, I want to be a fly on the wall. Hearing the conversation between Mac and uh, Clay Matthews about who gets to wear 52. I want to be there. <laughs> what are they giving up to get Khalil Mack here? It's going to cost way too numbers. much. And, and not just way in draft much. picks and players, but Aaron also Rogers in contract would be ridiculous. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> it's, it's simply not going to happen. So let's just get to our podcast, shall we? Like last week, we're doing our division preview series. We started a week ago with the NFC and AFC East divisions. This week, we're going to cover, as promised, the NFC South and the AFC South. I'm going to ask each of you a couple of Dynasty-relevant questions, just like we did a week ago, fellas. Let's start in the NFC South and with the best team in the division. And I know that'll probably draw the ire of some falcons and panthers fans but that's the new orleans saints matt we're going to start with you this week alvin Kamara, considering the mark ingram suspension can he improve on last season i mean it's possible but i just don't think it's likely at all when you when you threw this question out there i looked some stuff up dan so alvin Kamara averaged a total of 7.7 yards per touch last season the highest single season rate of production among all players in nfl history with more than 200 touches, with 200 or more touches. That's not just rookies. That's ever of all time, <laughs> the most of all time. So if he can improve on that, 
that would be pretty incredible. He also joins Gale Sayers, Sayers excuse me, as the only other rookie to ever have five rushing scores, five receiving scores, and a kickoff return touchdown. And just one more for you, uh, per Scott Barrett, our buddy over at PFF. He, uh, he put something out earlier this offseason that Alvin Kamara averaged 1.56 PPR points per touch, and that ranks number one all time of any player ever, not just rookies. Just to put that in perspective, Marshall Falk's best season in 2000 and, and, and with the Rams, he only averaged 1.36 points per touch. So I just don't think there's a whole lot of room for improvement there for Kamara unless he's going to continue to be basically the best player in NFL history. So, Matt, you and I didn't talk about this question before the show started. And I was waiting for you to say, absolutely, he can improve on, on it. And I was going to use some of those stats that you just so eloquently said to bash you and say, no way, he can't do it. So well done, good friend. Ryan, Matt doesn't believe in Elvin Kamara, do you? Yes, yes, of course I do. So, I mean, we know he can't improve, or at least we're we're fairly certain he can't improve those efficiency stats that Matt was quoting. But we're also just as certain that he's going to see more volume this year. I mean, if you if you look at last year, he was only 37th in rushing attempts. We know that number is going to go up, not only because of the Ingram suspension, but also because he was taking over that role towards the end of the season anyway. Uh, Ingram was seeing fewer carries, and Kamara was seeing more as the season went along and as they got into the playoffs even. I think what he loses in efficiency, he's going to make up for in volume. I, I saw a similar stat that you did that you quoted from uh, Scott Barrett, Matt, that the way it was framed when I read it was per 100 snaps, how many fantasy points per 100 snaps. And it it was basically 50 fantasy points for every hundred snaps that he saw. And the second best after that uh, behind him was uh, over 10 fantasy points lower than that. So he he was putting up those crazy numbers per snap or per 100 snaps, however you want to frame it. But he was only 27th in uh, among running backs in snap percentage. So he's going to see more snaps. He's going to see more opportunity. He's going to see more carries. He saw 100 targets last year. I think he's going to see more targets. I heard Evan Silva the other day say uh, he thinks he could catch 100 balls, let alone see 100 targets this year. So I think the volume more the volume uh, increase will more than make up for any kind of down-to-earth efficiency numbers he he sees this year and I believe those numbers will come down to earth at least those efficiency numbers I I just can't wait to watch him on the field full-time over that first month and and can't imagine as a Mark Ingram owner what that's going to do to his usage once Ingram is finally back and on the field one interesting side question off of this is that the you know the Saints have brought in a couple of noteworthy names at running back, and many have thought that perhaps these guys were brought in to take over that role left behind by Mark Ingram over that first four, few weeks. Ryan, is there a guy that you think can fill that role and become useful to dynasty owners over the first month of the season, or is it just going to be the Camara show? I think it'll be mostly the Camara show, but... Uh, if I were an Ingram owner, and, and I am in a couple leagues, I would be worried even when he returns. Uh, they have so many options. Uh, we've seen what they've, what they've done with these players who have uh, kind of ended up in the doghouse for whatever reason it might be, whether it's, in this case, a suspension or something off the field or even just complaining about, about targets as it was with Brandon Cooks. 
they don't typically go back to those players unless they can help it. And they've got so much depth at running back. And for now, it's it's just it's just depth. Uh, it's you know these are just names that don't have a lot of production in their history. But Jonathan Williams, you know, this time last year, he was a guy that we couldn't wait to see where he landed. He was the he was that young running back that everybody wanted to stash on their dynasty roster. Uh, and certainly things didn't work out the way we thought they would last year, but now he's in the best rushing offense in the league. And that's what it, that's what it is. They finished as, um, I think the number was they finished as the, one of the top two rushing offenses, as far as fantasy points every year that breeze has been there. I think that's what I saw, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, if it's anything close to that, then we have to feel pretty confident with any running back getting touches. And I think Williams is the best of that bunch. Matt, Ryan mentioned Williams. There was that report this past week that uh, out of the New Orleans advocate saying Williams is making a run up the depth chart that perhaps he could take over that role. Williams is worth a roster spot once again, for sure. But are are you rostering him in shallow leagues? And especially if you don't have Ingram on your roster? Not in shallow leagues, uh, say, let's say 20 roster spot leagues, but I think anything above like 22 to 24, I would definitely take a shot on him. I, I agree that I think Williams is the guy, but I think there is a you know slight chance that Terrence West, because he has a history of, of producing, at least to some level, is, is a little bit interesting, but not, not really enough to roster right now. And then the other two guys are, are more of you know, what we thought Alvin Kamara was last year, and that satellite back with Shane, veteran Shane Vereen and, and the rookie Boston Scott. So uh, I think Ryan's right. I think it's John, Jonathan Williams, and uh, but only in, in those maybe not super large roster spot leagues, but definitely more than 20. Sure. Let's quickly go to the pass catchers in New Orleans. Matt, Drew Brees has a history of bringing the best out of that number two receiver in New Orleans, whether that be at the tight end position or that uh, – slot guy or the guy opposite the number one of all these guys on that roster Ted Ginn Cameron Meredith Traquan Smith Ben Watson maybe somebody else even who do you think has the best chance of becoming fantasy relevant for dynasty owners in 2018 it's it's tough I think I think the floor play as weird as it sounds because of the injuries coming off of but I think the floor play here is Cameron Meredith I think he's going to be that big slot you know kind of be that uh, you know not to the same extent as Marcus Colson but kind of fill a a similar role as that and then Traquan Smith I think is kind of the upside play it seems like they really want him to be the number two outside across from Thomas um, and I like what we've seen from him so far so those would be the two for me just depending on kind of what you want uh, uh, from that that slot on your roster. Ryan, I've I've been buying Meredith in places this off season. I really like that connection, that that upside with him and Breeze. I think he could fill that role nicely, dig in a little bit to Ted Ginn's targets from a year ago, and, and take his share as well. Is there a guy that you prefer out of that group? You know, I, I looked at at this list that you mentioned Ginn, Meredith, Smith, and Watson quite a bit, and it's tough to narrow it down for me. I, I see some pros and cons with each of these guys, which in this range of value, this range of player, that that makes sense. Uh, the, the good news, I guess, for dynasty owners is that all of these guys are relatively cheap. Even even Meredith with some good production. Uh, a couple years ago, Traquan Smith is a second or third round rookie, but overall these, these guys could be had. So if you do believe in a certain one, or even if you want to fire a couple of bullets, that would be pretty easy to do. 
I was looking just at Drew Brees' history, and they've they've shuffled those pieces around in New Orleans quite a bit. And it seems like every year there's that one new receiver on the roster who makes a splash. Last year, of course, it was Ginn. Uh, Ginn had 53, 787, and four touchdowns last year. Two years ago, Michael Thomas, we know what he did, uh, over 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns in his rookie year. The year before that, Willie Sneed had almost 1,000 yards. 2014, Brandon Cooks, another rookie there, uh, had a had a solid first season and, and got better from there. So I, I kind of like these first year options that the Saints uh, that the Saints tried out. They bring these guys in for a reason, and of course that this year that could be Cameron Meredith or it could be Traquan Smith. To me, Smith feels like the Gin replacement, so I think we might be a year early on him. So I I would go with Cam Meredith as well. A little worried. It sounds like he's missing some practice lately. Not sure exactly what the injury is, but hopefully he is healthy because I do think it could be it could be him of the four that really makes a big impact. Yeah, and what what stuck out to me there are the stats that you put out about those new guys that they bring in. Seems like Sean Payton and Drew Brees bring those guys, or not necessarily Brees, but at least that front office, bring those guys in for a reason. They have a role in mind when they bring those guys to New Orleans, and Meredith could fit that bill this year for Dynasty owners. Let's move to Atlanta with the Falcons. We'll start with you, Ryan. Who has the better season in 2018, Calvin Ridley, Mohamed Sanu, or Austin Hooper? This was another tough one for me, not because I like all of the options, but really because I don't like any of the options. Uh, I'm, I'm not a Hooper fan. He had a really nice, uh, I think it was week one last year. It was one of these early games, week one or week two. Uh, had a huge game, and then he didn't break 50 yards the rest of the season. Uh, I, I just see, really I see both Hooper and Sanu as low-ceiling guys. Um, I, I guess there's a safe floor, Hooper as a tight end too. Sanu is, is maybe a low-end wide receiver three. Uh, because of that, I'm, I would just gamble on Ridley as, uh, as hopefully making the quick impact with the, the veterans and just kind of settling into what, what we've seen from them in the past few years. You know, I've felt the same way about Hooper in the past, and all our listeners probably know my feelings on Kelvin Ridley. I kind of feel like Sanu is the player that we've seen for years And like I said, I've never been real high on Hooper, but recently I heard an interview with Matt Ryan talking about his offseason and how he was preparing for the year, and he talked about how Austin Hooper was constantly pestering him to to go out to the park nearby and and throw, throw footballs around and run patterns and constantly asking questions about where exactly he wanted him on the field on this route. Uh, It seemed like the quarterback almost acted like it was annoying or, or it got to the point where it was happening so much that it, it was he rolled his eyes when he saw his phone number come up on, on his uh, cell phone, those kind of things. And, and it's it just struck me as if this is really happening, this guy's trying to get better and become a better pass catcher. Now, I'm sure there's a million stories about pass catchers and, and either wide receivers or tight ends who have done this to quarterbacks in the past and not panned out. It certainly was worth noting for me because it was coming from the quarterback, not just Hooper or somebody else. And uh, Matt Ryan seemed like he was on board with, with Austin Hooper becoming a big part of that offense. So I guess if I had to answer the question, even though 
that I I was the one posing it. I would say Hooper. Matt, what are your thoughts on the on the subject? Do you like Ridley, Sinu, or Hooper to have the better PPR season in 2018? Yeah, I'm I'm sticking with Ridley too. I don't know. I just think he offers the most the, the best combination of floor and upside amongst those players. I think we know what Sanu is already. Uh, I think that we know Matt Ryan likes good route runners. He's, he's had them in the past with, with Roddy White. I think he's very productive with them. Um, Hooper seems like a tight end two forever for me, and you know we don't really care about that as much in fantasy. Uh, I do, however, think that you know, it's, I think it's kind of a make or break year for him. And we don't expect these early production years from, from young tight ends like this, but this is year three. It's kind of time to put up or shut up. He's flashed in, in both of the last two seasons and it's, it's kind of time for him to do something. And I, I think that he is, you know, outside of Sanu, he's the second most veteran option in that receiving game. So if he doesn't step up now, then when's it going to be? Um, but if you're asking me straight up, which was going to have the best season, both for fantasy and for, for uh, production wise, uh, just, you know, box score wise, I, th- I think it's going to be Ridley. I just, I just think he's going to fit in this offense really nicely. I, I can't disagree with you there, Matt. You know I love Ridley, and I, I think he's <laughs> going to have a big season as well. Let's go on to the backfield in Atlanta. When I think about the Falcons, Matt, my mind immediately goes to that backfield. I've been a fan of Tevin Coleman for a long time. He's kind of been buried on that depth chart with Devonta Freeman having so, so many good years in a row now. Uh, it seems like since he got that contract, it, it he hasn't slowed down. Tevin Coleman, on the other hand, is a free agent after the season. There's lots of rumblings that he could be the next big name to to find a new home and, and make that that big jump, much like Jarek McKinnon did this year in free agency. I think it's a really interesting question. At this point next season, which current Falcons running back is more valuable, Devonta Freeman or Tevin Coleman? I think it's certainly possible Coleman surpasses Freeman if, with the landing spot, but it's just we just have no idea where he's going to end up. He could end up in a, on a worse team, but still part of a committee, You know whether or not he's the lead back. Um, but I think his situation could certainly be worse than it is now. He's uh, uh, Coleman's finished as a running back two the last two seasons. And, you know, unless he just gets that ideal landing spot, then, you know, he's, he's already, already produced at that level. So, I mean, how much higher can he get? I know he's done really well when, when Freeman is out. But, again, that's, that's playing with a really good offense. So we just don't know where that landing spot is. Meanwhile, Freeman has finished as the running back one, the running back six, and last year his, his, down, his down year, I guess, is a running back 13. Uh, but he did miss two games. The, the one concerning stat for me with Freeman, though, is the – uh, the, the the receptions per game that he's he's averaged under Shanahan four just over four catches per game and under Sarkeesian last year two point six so I would hope that comes back they, when they realize how good of a pass catcher that Defonta Freeman is uh, but that's the the one real concern for me but I just I know, I know I'm kind of skirting your question here but I, I do still think like it's Freeman just because of landing spot uh, that we don't know for Coleman and that we know Freeman is still going to be in a good offense in Atlanta. Ryan, there's there's a good chance Tevin Coleman is a priority free agent a year from now. I'm guessing a team in desperate need, or at least in a with a big need at the position, will be very interested in him. Do you think there's a good chance that he's more valuable in dynasty leagues a year from now, considering their ages? Yeah, I think there is. I mean, it's hard for us to predict stats and and how a player is actually going to produce on the field. But the more we we look at this and we look at these trends, it's it, at least a little bit easier to predict ADP and how these players will be valued. And certainly Freeman has been ahead of Coleman uh, pretty much throughout their their careers, the time that it's overlapped. 
But if you look, I looked back at Tevin Coleman since January of 2017, so basically a year and a half worth of ADP, he's been inside the top six rounds, which I think would surprise a lot of people. He's not that late round guy that you can grab and stash. And, and because of that, we've had the, the next Jarek McKinnon talk conversation on here and, and basically every other podcast this offseason trying to find out who's going to be that next player to really gain value. I don't think it's... I don't think it's going to be Tevin Coleman because he already has a ton of value. This time last year, Jarek McKinnon was in the 200s uh, in our ADP, and Tevin Coleman was in the top six rounds, just like he is right now. Uh, on the other hand, Devontae Freeman, as as well as he's produced, Matt laid it out, he's got an RB1 season in his past and, and a couple other really strong seasons. He's on that second round fringe. He actually dropped in ADP since January of, of this year, which I think is significant because in February is when we see the rookies added. So when those rookies, those current rookies came in, you saw it impact Freeman's ADP. And for whatever reason, he's just not that, uh, he's not that guy that most people are excited to have on his roster. He's kind of viewed as a, a boring player, a boring dynasty asset and for those reasons, I really do think Coleman, with a good landing spot next offseason, could jump ahead of Freeman. Yeah, you painted a really good picture of why I feel like Coleman could take a huge surge in dynasty ownership and, and that excitement factor that these dynasty owners would have to have him rather than Freeman. It'll be interesting to see it play out over the next six or eight months for sure. Let's go on to the Carolina Panthers, fellas. Ryan, a little bit of an under-the-radar move this offseason was the Panthers adding C.J. Anderson to that backfield. C.J. Anderson is a guy I've been a fan of in the past. He's He's been a guy that I felt was undervalued, a guy that I'd like to slip into a flex spot or, or fill in for an injury at times when he was with the Broncos. Now that he's on the East Coast and playing for the Panthers – He's obviously down the depth chart a little bit behind Christian McCaffrey. What's it going to take for C.J. Anderson to be useful to dynasty owners in 2018 outside of a, of an injury to Christian McCaffrey? I think it's going to take red zone usage, and I'm not sure he's going to get that, honestly. Um, especially when you think about the player that many call the best best short yardage back in the league. Of course, that's the quarterback, Cam Newton. I looked at last year's numbers. Uh, Cam got 28 red zone rushes. Jonathan Stewart had 33. And then Christian McCaffrey had 29. That's rushes plus targets in the red zone for him. I don't think that we, I don't think it's as easily easy as giving those 33 Stewart carries to CJ Anderson. Uh, if it were, then maybe he would be relevant. But I think we'll see even more opportunity for, for McCaffrey. That's all we've heard, that he's going to touch the ball 25 or 30 times, which just seems like uh, craziness to all of us. We, we know that can't happen, uh, but he certainly will see, see even more opportunity. And I think it might be surprising to some to hear that he had basically the, uh, almost the same number of red zone touches as, as Cam and Stewart a year ago uh, as a rookie and as a, as a player who, was not viewed as a successful rusher in his rookie season. So I think those numbers will go up for McCaffrey. I think that will limit red zone opportunities for Anderson. Last year was actually his first thousand yard rushing season of his career. And he barely got it then. I think he had a thousand seven yards. Uh, it took him uh, almost 250 carries to get that. He's not getting 250 carries in this offense. 
Yeah, I, I think he's more of an insurance policy for McCaffrey than anything really added to that offense. Matt, you're a big McCaffrey fan. Can you add anything to it? No, I, I do think that at this point in Anderson's career, he's probably a little bit better than Stewart was in 2017. And Stewart had, you know, close to 200 carries, about 680 yards, six touchdowns. I mean, I, I think we're probably looking at the, about the same range, about about 200 carries. Maybe he does a little bit more with them. But really, like Ryan said, it's going to come down to those, those, those short yardage touchdowns. And, and in those instances, it's, it's going to be, you know, 50-50 whether or not he gets them or, or, or Cam gets them or, or maybe McCaffrey gets another reception for a touchdown. Um, so I, I think he's going to need to have a big touchdown ups, uh, to big, excuse me, a big touchdown season to uh, to really be fantasy relevant uh, on a regular basis. Yeah, so Anderson hasn't scored more than five touchdowns since 2014. Yeah. Cam has scored five touchdowns or more. That's rushing touchdowns, of course, every season of his career. Five is his low, and <laughs> so I, I think that kind of tells us all we need to know. Yeah. Let's go to the pass catchers in Carolina, Matt. DJ Moore, dynasty owners everywhere are excited about his upside, but – in the short term, if we look at it through the scope of 2018 only, I'm wondering what his upside is in Superflex leagues for us owners that might be relying on him making some kind of impact, filling that wide receiver three role. Is it possible for DJ Moore? I think he's definitely going to have big weeks, but I think to pretend like you can rely on him every every single week of the season, at least at this point, is, is, is probably... Uh, not a not a good thought to have. I, I think he's probably, you know, closer to a wide receiver four, and maybe even like closer to a, to a late wide receiver four at this point for for 2018. I just I don't know how those targets going to break down, but he sure looked good in in the the first preseason game last week. So I, I think he's going to have big games, but I don't think he can. We can just say he's a wide receiver three for for 2018. Those of us who watched DJ Moore in college, Ryan, saw him as an electrifying player that could do a lot after the catch, make the one-handed grab, uh, all the things that you look for in that number one receiver. He showed a lot of that, as Matt kind of mentioned there, in that first preseason game. I watched the game, and that that cross that he ran on a third down, breaking those tackles, which turned into a touchdown run, that looked like something that dynasty owners want on their roster. I don't know if we're going to see a lot of it in his rookie season. I sure hope we do. What are your thoughts on his potential in 2018 Ryan yeah I, I agree with a lot of Matt uh, a lot of what Matt said I, of course I do think we're going to see plenty of flashes from more I think he's a talented player I think he's already the best receiver uh, on that roster I, I can see him kind of taking over that wide receiver one role for the Panthers partially because I, I, I don't really trust Devin Funches to be the lead guy the lead receiver in an offense uh, they've they've got some other pieces that will soak up some targets, including McCaffrey that we talked about already. I, I'm kind of worried about Greg Olson, honestly. We know we know he had the injury last year. He um, he contemplated retirement this off season, and, and I mean this is not a prediction, but it, he, it almost seems like a situation where he could just retire before the season even starts, like almost just have a change of heart kind of deal, um, and. and Regardless, uh, obviously that's that's kind of a, a rare long shot situation, but I'm just kind of worried we're going to see a big drop off in Olson's production. So I, I do think Moore could pick that up, but at the same time, it's it's tough to put a rookie into your lineup on a weekly basis. 
So so if Funches gets 100-plus targets, if McCaffrey gets 100-plus targets, yeah. I mean, I just don't know how many how many targets Moore is going to have. Like, like okay, let's say Moore gets 60 receptions. You think he's more than – you think he gets more than, than 60 receptions? I, I can't really see it. Yeah, I mean, that, that seems like the ceiling for yeah. sure. I don't know off the top of my head how many targets – uh, Funches had last year, but I don't 113. think 113. Okay. 111. Sorry. Christian McCaffrey had 113. Then I would not be surprised if he saw under a hundred last year, or I'm sorry, if he saw under a hundred this year. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Moore saw the most targets among the wide receivers. Let me say that. So take, take out Olsen, take out McCaffrey. I think Moore could, could get more targets than Funches. And if that happens, it's most likely going to be a close race between the two receivers. I think what Matt's trying to say probably, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Matt, uh, if I am, stop me, is that there's a good chance that those two receivers end up splitting up a lot of that duty, splitting part of, of Funchess's role and those other receivers from a year ago, and there's just not a big enough pie for, for both of them to be big-time dynasty assets or even useful flex plays. Right, Matt? Yeah, not unless you think McCaffrey's targets are just going to take a dive, and I, I don't. I think he might even get more than he, he did last year. I know that's maybe a hot take because he got 113 last offseason, but I just think he, he's what they want to do out of that short passing game. And, and, and you know the argument is out there that Moore is going to take a lot of that from McCaffrey, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I, think, I, don't think, I don't think whatever Moore gets is going to come out of McCaffrey's piece of the pie, if that makes any sense. I think, it, like Ryan said, it's going to come out of Funches' piece of the pie. One guy that's looking for a bigger piece of the pie in his offense is Chris Godwin of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as we transition down south to Tampa Bay. Matt, what are your thoughts on Godwin and his upside in 2018? Can he be a wide receiver three considering Jameis Winston, the suspension looming over his head, uh, all the other options in that offense? Are you expecting that breakout or are we still at least a year away? I think that... If like the coaching staff has been talking all off season, how he deserves to be a starter, quote unquote, and you know he does really surpass Deshaun Jackson on the depth chart, then I think he definitely can be a wide receiver three. Now we have this concern out there that Winston is is not going to play the first part of the season, which you know is is a pretty big concern. But if he can if he can be that second target in the offense, I, I really think that he could he can get to there. I think more likely scenario is that he's probably closer to like a maybe like DJ more like a make a mid wide receiver four where he's going to have those big games. Um, but I do think he's the answer long term, and, and this is going to be very hot takey, I think. But I think there's a there's potential that he's the best all around receiver on that roster, and that includes Mike Evans. Mike Evans last season. Uh, yards after catch, he had 132 yards total on a 71 receptions, 1.86 yards after catch. Uh, to put it another way, Evans was tied with Jordan Matthews for 154th most yards after catch, but that was on 46 fewer receptions by Jordan Matthews. So I don't think he's going to overtake Mike Evans as the as the the lead target getter in that offense by any stretch, but I think he's going to be more efficient with those targets. He's going to do more after the catch. So uh, I think his high end, like you said, is going to be a wide receiver three, but more likely in that wide receiver four to five range. Ryan, your thoughts on Godwin and his potential this season? I'm just going to borrow uh, one of our co-workers' thoughts. I thought Travis Rasmussen bro- broke this down pretty well on Twitter the other day talking about Godwin. Uh, he looked at the past three years. The Tampa Bay wide receiver two averages uh, a 14% target share. And then based on Jameis's career average pass attempts plus Godwin's efficiency stats from last year, 
that comes out to a, a stat line of 46 catches, 716 yards, and one touchdown, making him wide receiver 54. So we certainly expect rookies to improve in, in those efficiency areas. Um, so I could see numbers higher than that. But moving up all the way to the wide receiver three range, up uh, almost 20 spots, would probably be a jump. So, uh, again, agree with Matt as far as what he said, that maybe more like a DJ Moore as far as some some major spikes, but not necessarily the consistency that we would need to put him in our lineup every week. Does does the the fact that they haven't had a second wide receiver does that matter at all? I mean, who, who they had Deshaun Jackson last year, first year on the team, clearly was not on the same page as Jameis Winston, and the year before that, I mean, Vincent Jackson, Cecil Shorts, who 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 are we talking about here? So I understand the the, the line of thinking, but I just think that the talent that that Godwin brings to the table is a lot higher than he's had in the past as well. And I don't think anybody's questioning that Godwin is probably the most talented of those options that you mentioned. The, the, the other factor to consider for dynasty owners expecting that breakout is that there's a lot of talent in that offense and, and not a lot of balls to go around. We all know how Tampa Bay likes to play things conservatively. They uh, feed those running backs even when they don't have one, like last year. Uh, and and there, there are names that still exist. Deshaun Jackson, you say what you want about last season – He's still going to get some targets. Adam Humphreys is is not a, really a household name, but uh, fantasy owners everywhere know that he's probably going to catch 40 or 50 balls, and that takes away. There's also the tight ends, O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. So there's a lot of mouths to feed there in Tampa Bay, and Godwin will have to fight for every scrap that he's going to get for sure. Let's quickly talk about the tight ends before we take a break, fellas. O.J. Howard, Cameron Brait, Matt, which one of them? are more useful to dynasty owners this year only. I mean, if we're factoring in price, I think it has to be Brait. They tied with, I think they both had six touchdowns last season. I could see a very similar split. Um, it seems they, like they, they really like Brait. They gave him the big contract. O.J. Howard's really good at blocking. Brait, you know, he's, he's okay at blocking, but he's no O.J. Howard. So, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be tough for Howard to have any consistent fantasy value. I know that's true of basically all tight ends. But if you can factor in price uh, into it, I think I want Braid out of these two for just for 2018. Ryan, I, the more I think about it, the more I think a Howard up-and-down season is once again coming. But that could lead to a back-end top 12-type statistical season for the second-year tight end out of Alabama. What are your thoughts on, on this pair of tight ends in Tampa Bay? Yeah, I'm still going to side with Howard. I mean, that break contract is, it, it looked gaudy at first, but we know now that it's essentially a, a nice payday for a one-year deal. They can get out of that pretty easily. So to me, that deal was almost just an insurance policy, kicking the can down the road for, for one more year. Uh, so that, so they know they have the safe option at tight end with Brait. I think if Howard shows any consistency, um, we kind of saw it at the end of last season, if he can put that together, I, I think he could really take over that position and, and push Brait to the bench or, or at least the second tight end option. Um, so I'm taking Howard. I do think Matt alluded to this. I do think he's overpriced in Dynasty right now, but uh, he's the guy I would take the shot on. Uh, just just due to upside. 
Uh, I, I agree. Both will have their games for sure. Wouldn't be surprised if each of them had multi-touchdown games, 100-yard games even, and it's going to be a, a headache for those of us that own both of them and are trying to figure out who to start each week. One word answer, fellas. Ryan, who wins the NFC South in 2018? The Saints. Matt? Yeah, Saints. I'm going to take the Saints as well. Matt, who do you have for your NFC South fantasy MVP? I'm going to go Julio Jones in a big bounce back. I don't even call it a bounce back season, but at least in the touchdown department, I think we're going to finally see something from Julio. Ryan? I'm going with Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I'm going to take the easy way out as well and take Kamara, (laughs) that workload early. I mean, it's Kamara, come on. Yeah, it's Kamara. If he plays 16, he's going to set some records in 2018. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with our coverage of the AFC South. Hey there, this is Tom Kislingberry of the Read and React podcast. Have you ever wished that you could be an NFL general manager? Well, now you can, thanks to Reality Sports Online, a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. Reality Sports Online was created by former NFL front office personnel and features a revolutionary free agency auction room, which mimics NFL free agency, enabling fantasy owners to negotiate and sign the NFL's top talent to single or multi-year contracts. The platform can host up to 32 teams and has tons of other cool features, in addition to free agency, like a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, 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 much more. Test your general manager skills for free at realitysportsonline.com in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code DLF10, that's DLF10, to record a 10% discount on your team or your league today. Fancy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Welcome back to the DLF Dynasty podcast. I am Dan, that's Matt. Over there is Ryan. We're going to cover the AFC South right now for you. We're going to start in Jacksonville with the Jaguars, Matt. I want to start at the tight end position. Austin Safarian Jenkins is a name that has popped up among Dynasty owners everywhere as that guy that could surge into that tight end one category in 2018 what do you think his upside is in PPR leagues this season I mean I guess he could back into that in the back half of the tight end ones but I think we can say that about you know half a dozen maybe even a dozen players he's he's never had more than 400 yards in a season he's never caught more than four touchdowns in a season lands in an offense that it's kind of a mess at wide receiver, but there's so many of them. So, you know, that's production is going to get spread around there. It's going to be a low volume passing offense. You know, I, I just, I, I, it's, it's just tough to, to really think he has a ton of upside, but if you're looking for just, you know, a baseline starter, then I think ASJ is probably pretty fine. Ryan, what do you think about ASJ this season in Jacksonville? Yeah, I'm, I'm not too excited either. I think he's going to need, uh, he's going to need some touchdown pr- production, uh, I don't know that he can get it just because there there are so many options at the wide receiver position, although the majority of them are not really traditionally uh, touchdown scorers either. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm worried about ASJ. It's just that, I mean, he's he's going to catch it and fall down. You're not going to get a big play from him. You're not going to get a lot, a lot of yards after contact. Uh, so he, he's going to need a lot of targets, and he's going to need some red zone targets. 
and I don't think he can get either one. I don't think he's going to get a lot of volume. I don't know that he'll see a ton of opportunity in the red zone. I, I kind of differ from you guys a little bit. He's a big target, and Ryan, you alluded to it a little bit. Not a lot of those other options in Jacksonville give that touchdown upside. And when you have the 6'5", 260-pound uh, big guy over the middle, I think Blake Bortles and Safarian Jenkins could come up with a connection in the red zone. I think I think the bigger question with Austin Severian Jenkins isn't about his upside because I believe he could you know, somehow even catch 10 touchdowns and end up in that top six at the position at the ultimate best-case scenario. But I think the floor is the bigger question because nobody would would be surprised if he caught 22 balls for 320 yards and one touchdown and played the entire season as well. He's a big high-risk, high-reward proposition. Uh, I don't mind him, especially if you have one of those veteran guys, one of those guys you can count on a little bit. I really don't mind him as a second option in a single tight end league, though, for sure. Also in Jacksonville, among that receiving core, is a lot of questions at wide receiver, Ryan. Man, I I have a hard time coming up with the guy that I trust among this group. I don't know if I really trust any of them, for that matter. If there's a name that I like a little bit or think could take the next step, uh, I know a lot of people might say Marquise Lee. Others will say Dante Moncrief because of the upside that he showed with the Colts. I know there's some D.D. Westbrook fans out there as well. For me, I take Keelan Cole. Um, there's also D.J. Shark. I like Cole, though, because he showed it just a little bit in a, in a short window, of course. But he, he's had a couple of big games. Uh, he has a, a rapport with the quarterback there, Blake Bortles. And I think that could translate to some success in 2018. What are your thoughts on this receiver group and can somebody emerge out of this group and become a darling for dynasty owners? I think somebody can emerge. I don't know if I don't know if we're going to see enough volume or uh, I guess efficiency in the passing game for anybody to to really gain a ton of value and become a, a darling as you said. Looking at these guys ADP right now, Marquise Lee is wide receiver 59. Cole, wide receiver 65, DD is 67, Moncrief is 76, and then DJ Shark is 83. So a lot of Jaguars lumped into that small yeah, section they're, of ADP. They're, they're Jags in, in more than one way, we know. Um, the, guy, the guy I would go with, though, is Moncrief, and it goes back to the touchdown uh, upside. We saw him score seven touchdowns on just 30 catches in 2016. We saw him score six touchdowns uh, in 2015. And then you look at his teammates, Marquise Lee, even in in four seasons, his career high is three touchdowns. Cole had three touchdowns last year. Didi had one. Uh, of course, both of those guys uh, were, were rookies, so we don't want to hold too much against them. And, and then going back to Moncrief, the big question and we have no idea is how much of that touchdown production was Andrew Luck and how much of it was, uh, of course, just his own skill. We know uh, going from Luck to to Bortles is a significant drop, to say the least. So uh, I I still think Moncrief has the most upside. He got a a really nice payday. He also just got the one-year contract. So I think he has some motivation to prove himself and uh, hopefully for him – playing for that that larger contract yeah maybe my affection 
for Keelan Cole just simply goes back to last season late in the year when he when he had that three catch 99 yard and a touchdown game in week 14. I picked him up in a couple of leagues. He helped me get to a couple championship games the following week and even helped me win one the week after that. So I'm guessing that that has has something to do with it, Matt. What are your thoughts on this receiver group of Jags? They're all Jags. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I mean, they are. But I, I think I agree with Ryan. Mon- Moncrief probably offers the most, at least short-term upside. But and, but Ryan, alternatively, is going to hate this take. And I, I, I do, I do kind of still have a soft spot for D.D. Westbrook. You know, he, he spent the first 10 games of his rookie season on IR, and then he came on. You know, had had some decent runs at the end of 2017, and and we get this uh, this thing that we talk about every preseason, this constant drumbeat, right? And that's got it's there for Westbrook. You know, he's playing himself into the first team offense. Whether that means he's the wide receiver three on the field, you know, I, I don't know necessarily what that means. It's probably it probably is what it means behind Mark Easley and 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 Dante Moncrief, but. I, th- I think he's got a chance to make some noise this year and, and really kind of, kind of, kind of make his mark on that offense. But again, it's it's a low volume offense, and all of these guys right now, as it stands today, kind of feel about the same. So it's really hard to pick one. But if I'm going to take a dark throw on one of them for for the price, I think it's going to be D.D. Westbrook. I think the overall lesson here is that none of us really trust any of these wide receivers in Jacksonville. We're not eager to put any of them into our starting lineup. Hopefully, that changes over the first couple weeks of the regular season. Let's move on to Tennessee, fellas. Matt, that running field, running back uh, core, that duo of Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis, it's scary for me, I'll be honest. Uh, it's muddy water, and I can't see through it. I can't tell who's going to be the guy in what role. You know, both have said they want to be pass catchers. Both have said they want to handle the ball at the goal line and inside the 20. Both have shown that they can do it at times. This seems like a true committee backfield and a pair that may be the hot hand, it may be a specific role, but it it's certainly something that I really don't want to mess with. Try to clear things up for me. Who do you like better in 2018 in PPR leagues, Derrick Henry or Deion Lewis? And you said it right there with the PPR leagues and maybe even standard too, I'm not sure. Uh, but I think it's got to be Deion Lewis just because of that. I mean, last year... Murray had about 15 touches a game, and that gave Henry about just under 12 touches a game. They just paid Deion Lewis, uh, you know, six million dollars or so in, in guaranteed money or whatever it was, uh, and and I, I just think they want him to get 15 touches a game. If he gets 15 touches a game, and the offense is going to be more pass oriented than it was last year, we're not going to have that uh, uh, that exotic smash mouth going on. Then that could mean you know 10 touches a, a week for for Henry. And let's say Henry gets 200 touches or 200 carries on the season. You know how many balls is he going to catch? 10, 15, maybe 20. So I just I just think you're with, with Henry. You're really rolling the dice, and that you, you're going to need a touchdown every single week. You put him in your lineup, otherwise he might be a, a, you know a reason you lose your week. So if I have to pick between the two, even with uh, uh, Henry kind of being the more dynasty darling, as it were, uh, I think I have to go with Deion Lewis. Maybe maybe even long term too. He's only 27, so he's going to be there for a couple more years. By that time, Henry's going to be closing out on his rookie year contract. and might not even be in Tennessee anymore. So. So I think it's got to be Lewis this year and, and maybe next year as well. Yeah, I've, I've leaned that way many times, Ryan, throughout the offseason. I thought, man, it's got to be Lewis. He's going to catch the passes. But for all of us, and Matt, you kind of alluded to it, in, in these fantasy leagues, touchdowns win matchups, fantasy matchups. And it seems to me that Derrick Henry is going to get those goal line carries, Ryan. Who do you side with? 
in this debate? I don't. I have a hard time choosing. Honestly, I don't want either one of these guys. I think they're both overvalued in dynasty drafts right now. Henry is the RB19 in our ADP 48 overall. Deion Lewis sounds like a, a value at RB33, but you're still spending a, a top 80 pick to get him there. And I don't trust either one of these guys. Lewis worries me with his injury history. I think last year was the first year he's been able to stay healthy for essentially essentially the entire season. And then Henry, just the way the Titans are handling him, they seem not, I was going to say hesitant, but really unwilling to make him the the lead guy. And, and because of that, I guess I guess I would take Lewis, but I don't feel great about it. I don't want either one. <laughs> I couldn't agree. I, I think we all kind of shook our head at this situation, and hopefully we can wash our hands of it and we don't own any of them. Uh, if, if you're out there and you haven't figured out, let me know on Twitter because I, I, I certainly don't. Let's talk about the pass catchers. Maybe we can figure out something there. Ryan, I think we all can agree that Corey Davis is the pass catcher to own in Dynasty Leagues. Uh, out of that Tennessee, off that Tennessee roster, who's the other guy? Who's the second guy you want to own in Dynasty for the Titans, Ryan, of the pass catchers? Richard Matthews, Taiwan Taylor, excuse me, Taiwan Taylor, Tajay Sharp, Delaney Walker, Johnu Smith, maybe somebody else. Who's your guy? Yeah, my guy is Taiwan Taylor. He's been one of my trade targets really all offseason. I've gotten him in a few spots, luckily. Um, he, he's got the slot job locked down there it seems like he's been seeing a ton of first team reps in in practice ever since camp opened uh, our guy uh, Travis May got to go to a, a lot of their practices and and gave us some good camp reports on Twitter and and uh, it, it seemed like every one of them was a glowing recommendation for Taewon Taylor uh, and then also look at something Evan Silver wrote about how their offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur when he was in Los Angeles last year, how he used uh, Cooper Cup out of the slot. And we, Cup led the team, I believe, in targets, receptions, and, and yardage. I, I think that's correct. And, and again, knowing that Taylor has, has that slot job locked down, I don't necessarily think he's going to outproduce Corey Davis, as, as Cup did uh, the outside receivers in L.A., but, but I'm pretty excited about him. And then, and then throw in the this Richard Matthews injury that has kept him out of most of camp. And, and that just helps Taylor's case all the more. Matt, is there somebody else that, that you lean towards in Tennessee? Ryan kind of took all of my thunder there on Taewon Taylor, which I kind of expected, but just to be a little bit different, I'll say go back to Delaney Walker. I think he's going to be heavily involved in that offense, maybe the second leading receiver behind Davis. If, if Davis, you know, can stay healthy all year this season, um, so, and, and for the price you're going to get him, I think you're, you're going to get, you know, this season and probably 2019 as well out of him. So, uh, give me Delaney Walker as the cheap option. I'm going to take Taewon Taylor as well. He's not just your guy, Ryan. He's our guy. I'll share. For sure. <laughs> Let's go to Houston, uh, and talk about their running backs. Matt, Lamar Miller, that backfield, uh, does not have a lot of big names in it. Alfred Blue is Alfred Blue, Deontay Foreman is beat up, and, and the rest of them are, are kind of unknowns. Seems like Lamar Miller is going to get a lot of play, a lot of touches uh, in a good offense, or at least what should be a good offense. What do you think Lamar Miller's upside is in 2018? Can he be a top 18 running back or maybe even higher? 
yeah, we've thrown a lot of shade on him on this show, haven't we, Dan? <laughs> yeah, we, the two, we have, but the two I'm starting to see the light a little bit. I, I am too, actually. You know, I, I've gone back and watched his, uh, his, the early part of his season with Deshaun Watson, and he, he, was, he looked good then. He averaged almost 18 touches a game, almost 90 yards, just over half a touchdown, and that, uh, according to 4 for 4, would have equated to low-end running back one numbers over the course of the full season. So, I mean, I, I'm not even – this might be a blind spot because I just don't – really believe that people can come back, especially running backs as big as Deontay Foreman can come back from a, a Achilles injury so quickly. Um, so I'm kind of just writing him off. And if that's the case, then I just feel like Miller's got to be the guy. And he's basically a lock for, for running back two. And, you know, I think he's going to have those running back one weeks too with, with Watson in there helping him out. We know what mobile quarterbacks do to the running game in general. So I am optimistic about Miller this season as well, Dan. Yeah, I'm starting to come around as well. Ryan, I'm going to take you to the pass catchers in Houston. Everybody expects Deshaun Watson to put up big numbers in 2018, or at least I do. And DeAndre Hopkins can't catch everything down there in Houston. Who else comes up big for dynasty owners for the Texans? We got we got a few options here. Will Fuller uh, did it at least in spurts a year ago. Braxton Miller is still popular among some dynasty owners. The tight ends there. Is there somebody else that we can look to for some production in 2018? Yeah, I don't really – you said there's some options. I really don't think there are many options. I think it's got to be Will Fuller. Um, He's another guy we talk about not being able to reproduce that – those numbers and that efficiency that he – that he enjoyed last year. And we know that was really only a four-game stretch with – uh, with Deshaun Watson, that they were both healthy, but it, it was a ridiculous four-game stretch. I think he scored seven touchdowns in, in in those four games. Those are not numbers that we can extrapolate over a full season. That would that would just be a waste of time. But I do think he's clearly the second option in that offense. I, I still like the rookie Kiki Cutie, but uh, he's been injured and not not really even sure of what his status going forward is. But but hopefully he gets on the field because I, I do think he could be uh, the third option in that offense and, and a guy I like to stash. But for this year and really for the next couple of years, it's just going to be Hopkins and Fuller. Yeah, it's really a good sign for Hopkins owners. He's just going to get peppered with targets. Well, Fuller will certainly get his behind him. Like you mentioned, there's just not any any name value there with Miller and, and even Cutie and and those those tight ends. There, there's not a lot there. Maybe Jordan Aikens shows something over some time, but I don't think a lot of dynasty owners out there have a lot of faith in in anybody behind Nuke. Let's go to Indianapolis, Ryan. I want to know from you because we've talked at nauseum at some points about these running backs and the roles that they're going to have in Indianapolis. Now that Andrew Luck is back on the field and it appears that passing game will be something. It also appears that that offensive line will be better at the very least, which running back becomes most relevant in PPR leagues, Marlon Mack or one of the rookies, Naheem Hines or Jordan Wilkins. I'm interested into your take. Sure. There's, I think there's a lot of push right now for Wilkins. We saw Marlon Mack get injured in that first preseason game. We've seen and heard some some bad reports and some some disappointing play early on from Hines. Uh, so so Wilkins almost by default is kind of getting, uh, like I said, a little bit of push to maybe be the starter or or at least the relevant fantasy back there. But 
I, I still think it's Marlon Mack uh, for this year. I think he's the most talented running back on the team. But thinking about these guys long term, even though they have they've got three young running backs that they've added over the past two seasons, yet I'm still not confident in any of these guys long term. Uh, ho- hopefully for them, for the Colts, one of them pans out and steps up and establishes himself as as a, a real difference maker. But I don't see it happening. I think they could go into next off season with a lot of questions that they're in their backfield. Yeah, and maybe Tevin Coleman could answer answer ooh, those questions. Like uh, Matt, let's go to you for the pass catchers in that Indianapolis offense. We have T.Y. Hilton. We're pretty excited about him. How about the second guy? Ryan Grant is getting some publicity recently. Lots of hype about him. Uh, there's other options, including Chester Rogers and the tight ends as well, Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron. Ebron continues to get hype. And he just never comes through. I've I've been on the Eric Ebron bandwagon as recently as a month or two ago, and I just fall my find myself falling off of it. I tend to lean towards Jack Doyle. Uh, I'm interested in this Ryan Grant hype train. Maybe I'll jump on that. What are you doing for that second pass catcher in in an Andrew Luck led offense? I think it's Jack Doyle. I know Ebron is probably more physically talented, but I think Jack Doyle has proved he can play in that offense. Since 2012, Luck has targeted his tight ends 22% of the time. And in the red zone, that's 29% of the time. Last season, Doyle had 22.9% of the Colts' target share, so it seems like it could just slot in there. I know we always get excited about these two tight end sets, all the way back to Kobe Fleener and, and Dwayne Allen, but it always seems like one of them you know, emerges you know, significantly more the other one, and I think that's going to be Doyle. Just one more factoid there, too. Frank Wright last season with the Eagles, we know what he did with Zach Ertz. Um, in a similar kind of offensive setup where they have one real wide wide receiver that that scares the defense in uh, Alshon Jeffrey, compare him to to T.Y. Hilton, obviously different players, but then the tight end is going to be that second option. Uh, And and I know Jack Doyle is probably not Zach Ertz uh, by any stretch, but I think that he's going to play a similar role in that. And he's probably not going to have 110 targets like like, uh, Zach Ertz did last season, but I bet he hits that 22 to 23% market share pretty well um, and and ends up being a low-end tight end one again for 2018. And a year ago, Doyle caught 80 passes for only 690 yards, just four touchdowns. But that translated to tight end one numbers. It wouldn't be surprising if he put up similar ones for sure. Before we get out of here, fellas, we got to know, Matt, who wins the AFC South in 2018? AFC South in 2018. I'm going to say the Houston Texans. Mm, Good pick. Ryan? I'm going to say the Texans as well. Yeah, I'm going to take the Texans as well, but I'm interested in this Jaguars offense for sure. I, I think if they can improve, they could make a similar run as a year ago. Let's talk about the AFC South fantasy MVP. Ryan, who are you going to take? I think there's only one option, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins is a good one. I've heard of him. Uh, Matt? Is this just takes like the highest valued player? Is that how we pick the MVP for all these comp- all these divisions? Is that how we're going to do it? Apparently that's uh, how you guys do it. <laughs> I'm going to say T.Y. Hilton is going to bounce back. Luck looks like he's fine. I know we didn't see him throw any deep balls in that first preseason game, but he, he seems fine. So I think Hilton's going to jump back up there and uh, up into that you know high wide receiver two, low wide receiver one range pretty easily. Yeah, I'm going to take a Colt as well. I'm going to take Luck. I'm, I, I love DeAndre Hopkins, but I do think that's the easy one. And I've been critical of Luck and, and his comeback and all the negative news that surrounded him for the last – 
what seems like a year and a half, probably has been a year and a half, comeback player of the year, big season, top five fantasy upside at the position this season. I'll take luck, especially in Superflex, as my AFC South fantasy MVP. That's going to do it for this week's podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan. That's Matt. Over there is Ryan. We'll catch you again next week and be covering the AFC and NFC West. Take care.